0: This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Sit by my side Come as close as the air Sharing a memory of grey. Wander in my world And dream about the pictures I play
1: Of changes For much of the 20th century, Ireland was primarily known as a country of substantial net outward migration. Ireland had the highest net emigration rate in the European Union in the 1980s. But by the year 2002, Ireland had the highest net immigration rate in the European Union. Migrants to Ireland were of every type and condition and for the purpose of this project we are going to focus on a very particular group Poets. Poetic Lives is a six-part series that follows the lives of six poets that, not having been born in Ireland now live and produce their art in this country. Each programme is a blind date for the interviewer who will only know the poet through the selection of poems and the brief biography sent to him by the poet. Following the path laid by the poems, the interviewer and the poet will talk about the life experiences and interests of the different poets and how they are reflected in the poems. All our guests have three common denominators. Poetry, migration and Ireland. From the Far East to America... From Africa to Europe, each poet will talk about expressing their very different experiences through the medium of poetry. Now it is time to listen to today's poet.
0: The stars, the
1: Praise and
2: petition. I am New Irish, an Africa's spawned. From the Niger's wetland, where sunbeams sunbeams rest for us throes gold. But I'm no Hothan's black man, the devil's vile fellow, moulded in the Puritan's mind. I am new Irish, and I carry the celestial mark too, like my jaunty bodies, Kevin, Clodagh and Ahmed, disdaining strictures on embracement and variance, with dance and drum in the streams of your merry multitudes on Paddy's day. I am new Irish, and I sing the soldier's song too, as Roddy, ever and demot do. Repeated times of stolen gleeful glances, at your green-white-orange bunting of infusion, spread at the top of the white staff on my sill, And in the naked warmth of the day, I've strummed on your harp of harmony and worked in your magic seam of spirit and soul. Several moons, I strode into your gates, a in flight from a place of sun, where, perchance, wafted cheerlessly from steel cages. The warmth of your arms wrapped me in tenderness and a love long sought O Amoratine Maiden, and for this I am bound to you in faith and endless love. I am new Irish, and I bear the scars of spite and spleen too, in the panics of your streets, in the rage of your markets, in the bigotry of our roosting places in Killinardens district, where naked obscenities fly into the strangers' walls. But at your feet I lay my petition and praise, Emerald Maiden. I am new Irish and that name etched deep into the crust of my soul. My name is Theophilus Erja. I hold a PhD in sociology. I teach sociology in UCD. I'm also the founder and the current chief executive officer of the Migrant Writers and Performing Artists Ireland. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to, to talk to us today. I can see
3: from your CV that you have a varied selection of subjects that you are interested on. Yes. We will deal with that, but... The poem that you just read, you used a term there,
2: I am new Irish. What does it mean for you to be a new Irish? The term new Irish means a lot of things to me. It means hope, it means expectations, it means diversity. In fact, it talks about the current ethnic diversification of Irish society, which has uh, come about with the recent phenomenon of inward migrations into Ireland.
3: And do you think that the concept of New Irish is accepted as something positive or is just a way of producing a division
2: between new and old? Yeah, the term New Irish has become increasingly accepted in Ireland and there's no reason to think otherwise because migrants have come here to stay as opposed to the common thinking that they haven't any inclination or or disposition or intention to stay for a long time or to make a settlement in the country. Reality is, you know, uh, suggest that migrants are becoming uh, engrafted into our society. And uh, as they become engrafted, they get engaged in so many activities in in, in different walks of life. We have medical doctors. You know, belonging to the migrant community, we have nurses, we have engineers, we have people who are uh, specialists in information and technology. We have, um, in fact, we have people engaged in business. So, New Irish, you know, suggests a kind of enrichment of Irish society, you know, from the traditional thinking of ethnic monolithism, you know, about Ireland, that Ireland is monocultural and monolithic. Ireland has become diversified increasingly because of the incidence of inward migrations. So we have Muslims today who constitute about a large percentage of Irish society. We have people from uh, Africa, from Asia, from North America, from South America, from different you know, parts of the world. We have people that belong to different uh, religious persuasions. We have people that have uh, different cultural uh, cultural persuasions. And all these things help to enrich Irish society. Their strength in diversity. Migrants have brought something positive to this country. So the earlier people began to accept this fact, the better for society because migrants have come here to stay.
3: As you were saying, migrants are to this society and that's your case. A university graduates with several interests in different fields. That's why I want to travel back to Africa, back to your home country and start from there your journey. And that will give us... An idea of what will you, as one of the immigrants into Ireland, have to afford? And what's your view of Ireland and of Africa, from your point of view? Mm, okay. And I want to go back to Africa with one of your poems.
2: Ngoziika. Can
3: you the read poem. it and then explain
2: to us? Okay. Ngoziika. Onyige, fitted traveller from Umwago of the Lion lair, Courier of hope in a famished season. May your feet never again walk the path of scorn and grief. Ngozeka, graceful damsel from the lion's brood, I thirst for your ardour and warmth, Just as the hamartan craves for the rain, Just as the dawn yearns for the sun. Pining for your tender touch, Has left my heart starved and broken. Now come to me with your salve of love, and sit this pain that tears at my being. Adago, princess of the savannah of the lion's streak, your grace enchants me. I have spent ministerial moments musing on the wondrous symmetry of your beauty. Come to me and let's sing the songs of the lilies and watch fireflies dance around our untying flames. Come to me and whet this frenzied appetite then walk together into the rapture of the night. Ngozika. Vendor of hope and the rains of May. Come now to me and let me into the purity of your love. You whose swollen hillocks beckon like ripened tubers, in heaving mounds ready, calling for unearthing. Douse this flame sitting in my blood tonight, and take me flesh, soul, and spirit into your depth of plenitude. For many moons we have seen the touch of pain. We have seen the claw marks of sorrow on white bodies. Freckled bodies, black bodies and Latino bodies, on a rowdy day, on a rowdy street and party's day. The emissaries of slippery pledges have spun webs of misery during a last season. Ngozeka, songstress of the lyrical savannah. Together let's drip our souls with the love song of a new season. Together let's plant our seeds in this earth with the songs of our fires and then gather our habits onto the crest of the sky. Talks about love, but talks about as well of pain and. The background to this poem is drawn from our personal experiences. This poem ngoseka is a tribute to my wife. But within the poem, it's a kind of reminiscence of the pains that we have, we have experienced in life, before we came to Ireland, the travels, the turmoils that we have experienced, and. Um, Having come to Ireland, we expected to start experiencing, you know, comfort, experiencing, you know, acceptance and um, positive uh, transformation, which came. But uh, there's also an antithetical experience of hardship, you know, that is borne out by the fact that we as migrants have not fully been incorporated into society. There are still questions to be asked about equality about equal access to the commonwealth about equal access to to existing opportunities in the in the country and um, in the poem there's the imagery of womanhood there's the imagery of uh, the fertility of womanhood historically we know that the earth is usually symbolized as a woman that brings abundance that brings plenitude that brings comfort and solace, And so in this poem, I try to portray my, my wife as a, a symbol of the earth. But um, on the contrary, this individual that is supposed to embody, to, to, to exude abundance and plenitude and comfort and happiness, herself experiences all kinds of um, pains, troubles, wars, miseries, and so on and so forth.
3: In that poem, you reflect on your life and how did you move to Ireland. And not, not everything, as you've mentioned, not everything went that smooth. And in your poetry, you have looked into the Irish society. You have your own view as a new Irish that we were mentioning before. Yes. Of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, in the poem, Different Worlds.
2: The poem, Different Worlds, is a satire. I, I write mostly satire, historical poems poems okay it's a satire that uh, presents you know or contradictions you know between africa and ireland and the west you know here in the in in the poem ireland um, symbolizes or embodies the west okay so different worlds suggest that racial tensions you know historical tensions that have existed between the developed world the so-called developed world and the developing world of which Africa is a part of. So it presents a kind of... um, It's a lampoon of the Western world. The attitude of superiority, the attitude of, um, of neglect, of disdain towards Africa. The West, you know, obtain much of their natural resources from Africa. And when Africans go to the West... They are not fully accepted. In fact, they are exposed to all kinds of discriminations, all kinds of experience of oppression. So this poem is interrogating that particular attitude and practice. Why is it that? Do we have different different blood, colour of blood running in our veins? Does the white man have a blue blood? You get the point. I'm not talking about symbolic blue. Every one of us has has a a red blood running in their veins. And at the end of our lives, we are going to face the same experience. Everybody is going to go six foot down. You get the point? So it's a kind of, it's questioning, challenging, you know, the tendency to dehumanize, to disdain non-white groups in the Western world. It's a kind of an awakening call to the West to accept people of other ethnicities, other racial groups, as members of the brotherhood of man. You get the point. So that's what the poem is talking about, different worlds. Your eyes blazed when you spoke of our dissimilar worlds. You were raised with the cruel lights of history that cut and shaped the very walls of our unequal places. And even though we are told that our fingers are uneven, we know how the thumb became sleek by greed and how my brawn grew your coffee and gathered your cocoa. The bitterness in your face time and again tells me how I am not a son of the soil. Now tell me if my blood is crimson and yours sapphire turned or if we shall not go down the same final way that transitions gulf that shall bring us into the earth's within embrace. Sheath your build of scorn that has ripped my soul apart else I will recall like a devotee counting prayer beads the thousand times you have stalked my bleak parts and how your falsehoods have turned my heart apart like a blade cutting through butter. I saw you sunbathing in British Bay. Your eyes told me what a trespasser I was in your world of golden sands. And though I brought companionship, all I saw was a hostile wall of separation and wanted to know that I have come to drink from the fountain of the Emerald Isle, not minding the weight of your bitterness and shameful lies, or the many stones that repeatedly hustled under my windows. But I shall leap out of this cage of hate. I shall rise from the mire of rejection, and sing a new song of my freedom. In that poem, you talk about
3: rejection, about some way of... About oppression. the hate. Yes. Is that something that you have, have to experience in your
2: time in Ireland? Yes, I experienced rejection since I came to Ireland. I've, I've not achieved full integration, if I may use the word, okay? I'm still struggling to become fully engrafted into Irish society, although I have Irish citizenship, but I don't feel I'm fully accepted into society because there was a separation everywhere. There Oops. are cracks on the wall.
3: You have achieved to teach in one of the best universities in Ireland, UCD. You have an amazing curriculum with different PhD, MAs and everything. That will come as a surprise to many of our listeners.
2: Uh, it may come as a surprise, uh, but uh, it wouldn't surprise uh, many African re- listeners. I thank Ireland for uh, giving me the opportunity to attend uh, for the higher education here. I achieved my uh, second degree here. You know, a master's degree in development studies, first class. And after that, uh, I embarked on a PhD program at UCD, which I finished. I completed in um, in 2009. Um, since then, I have been trying my best to contribute positively towards this country. That uh, has given me, you know, an arm to, uh, you know, to lean on. But irrespective of the fact, I still experience discrimination. In my engagements with people in, in the country, in, in several walks of life, you know, in different activities I, I'm involved in, you know, I still feel that um, the migrant has to be given uh, the full opportunity to contribute to Irish society because my immigrants have uh, a lot of talent which are still latent. They haven't tapped into them and the opportunities are not there they're not given the opportunities because um, the structures of inequality are still very, very strong and formidable in in Ireland. So it's high time we we tore down the structures of inequality.
3: And for that, one of the things that we can do is highlight your view and what you can contribute to Irish society, looking again at what you have done over your life, you started as a journalist, you have participated in the publication of several articles, books, and you have not a vision just of your country and Ireland, you have a world vision, and you put that into your poems as well. Mm. One of the ones that just came to me is the stolen life. And in a way that you give uh, your vision of what is a reality of something that has happened all around the world. Yeah. It's not a vision, particularly African or particularly Irish, it's a vision of a human being to a human tragedy. Mm. How would you explain that poem?
2: This is a poem about the oppression of women, sexual oppression of women all over the world, particularly pedophilia. We've had cases of um, people from different, men from different parts of the world going to developing countries such as those in Asia and Africa on sex tourism, And when they go there, they have sex with with underage girls as young as 11 because they are trying to, to exploit the situation of want and poverty because they have the power to do so. You know, they have sex with these young girls and give them peanuts, you know. So this poem, Stolen Life, is a satire about that kind of practice. It's an indictment on this terrible attitude of men. It's a feminist poem. She lay trapped in his clutches. A young leather in the grip of Zeus, a naked lamb in skin of silk, stripped of virtue, hope, and dream. She'd been wrenched from the patricians of the city. And in his arms, she bemoaned a purity stolen and bruised by a cruel heritage. She was raised in familial afflictions, a tenderling hauled in the wicked way of satyrs, summer traveller. She lay prostrate like a lamb on a butcher's table. His blade of lust unfold from its sheath. Her reproving eyes buried into his face scarcely could restrain the heart of steel nor inhibit the brute strength that had kept her soul bound in his word of mark. Year after year, she's bruised in Nampen's White dens, in Bangkok's Massage Palace, in the prurience of Dar coastline. He had torn her body at 10, her first blood drawn at the altar of his God, now between loins. He waggled the blade that had ripped her nascent dream.
3: It's a very strong poem. There, a lot of the poems deal with personal experience, personal situation. This is not personal experience. You are putting yourself in the in the body and in the situation of a totally different person.
2: To I have watched documentaries, you know, documentaries on uh, sex tourism you know, in Bangkok, in Phnom Penh, in, in, in Dar es Salaam, in, in, in other countries in the developing world, you know. And um, those documentaries actually inspire this poem. And I haven't seen creative writings, you know, satirizing this experience.
3: Could be a, a very difficult subject, as, they as, may as, think.
2: Yes, people try to shy away from it. But it requires boldness and courage, you know, to bring it to the public domain by looking at it from, uh, from the creative perspective.
3: You as a sociologist yes. will have a totally different point of view as well. It's your line of work. It's not just as a poet, you put it in poems. That probably allows you to do that differently than other poets could, mm. could do, I imagine. Exactly.
2: Yes, uh, I have a, a PhD in sociology. Uh, Better. I also have a master's degree in English. You know, I I specialize in creative writing. So the combination of the two, English and uh, sociology, you know, helps me to develop and uh, to hone my creative skills. That's why when I write, I look at things from the sociological perspective and also from the creative perspective. I look at the subject matter. You know, I look at human relationships. I look at inequalities. You know oppressions, you know experiences of uh, you know gender-based oppressions. I look at race-based oppressions. I look at you know different forms of discriminations and stereotypes, and so on and so forth. So, all these sociological themes, I try to translate them into very creative uh, literary pieces.
3: And in one of those poems that you said that you look at discriminations and oppression the next poem that I was going to ask you to read they called you America you actually look into a society that again like the one that you just read about women's oppression you don't have direct experience mm-hmm. is your view of what is portrayed in the news that we get from in this case from the United States mm-hmm. then what made you, what pushed you to write something
2: like that? Uh, thank you very much. I draw my, my, my themes from, from historical antecedents, that historical uh, events, uh, and also events that happen uh, in the contemporary times. The oppression of black people in America has engaged my interest from a long time, you know, even in my, in my writings. You know, in my academic writings, I, I explore, you know, I explore all those themes. You know, I I explore themes uh, around uh, racism, ethnicity, uh, identity, and stuff like that. You know, uh, this poem was inspired by the historical oppression that uh, black people in America have been facing right from the time of uh, the slave trade. You know, things have changed, but there's still a lot more to be done. You know, even though Equality structures have been, have been put in place in America in theory, but in practice, it's not working. Black people in America still remain the most oppressed groups in that country. And what affects them, whatever affects them, you know, affect the rest of us, blacks. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because we share a common heritage. They call you America. That is the title of the poem. They call you America bastion of fugitives and exiles. Now, in your bigoted soul, I see the black man's power, where black bodies burned in your hate blaze. They call you America, the land of hope, where grass grows green. And for centuries, the black man's burden has rested hopelessly on your bigot's shoulders. And innocent dreams are slain pitilessly by your angel's blade. They call you America, God's own country. But within your cruel prison, chained black souls perish in want of love and liberty. America, you ain't no God's own country. You ain't no liberty country. You ain't no love country. You ain't no hope country. You ain't no land where them bloody grass grows green. America, you are the black man's horror. You are the black man's death. You are the black man's bear. You are the black man's grave.
3: That's uh, a strong statement in that poem. Yes. A non-too political person that look at world news, now that there is a black person in the White House, will think that that's over.
2: Uh, yeah, but uh, we don't, We all know that it's over. It's not over. <laughs> it's common knowledge that Obama cannot alter the situation of uh, oppression that uh, black people in America are facing, and they continue to face.
3: It's more or less what we have time for, but I would like to finish this program in a lighter note, because we have deal with really heavy stuff <laughs> all around. <laughs> then, would you mind oh. reading a
2: very brief and oh. d- totally different? December rain. December rain, 2014. you rained in the flecks of snow. And came in a teary mass Hard upon cold December You broke the season's law In your relentless spill Now tell What can you not do at the break of spring In your keen intensity Will you not pound this earth With your torrential fists Thanks a lot Thank you very much
3: Where in
0: hell can you go Far from the things that you know Far from this concrete sprawl That keeps crawling its way About a thousand miles a day Take one last look behind
1: Commit this to memory and mind Thanks to Theophilus Ejo, sharing his poetry with us. In today's programme, the interview was carried out by Iñaki Irigoyen and he will be back next week with another poet in the next programme of Poetic Lives. But to find out who will be next week's poet, our listeners will have to tune in to Near FM 90.3. Thanks for listening. We hope you liked this week's programme of Poetic Lives and that you will tune in again next week.
0: This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.